So creative exit strategies. So traditional route, you can rent the property or you sell it, right? Creative, we can wholesale it. Now we talked about that quite a bit already. And like I said, I'm doing a class on that uh, either next week or the week after, the seventh. Um, so I'm doing a class on wholesaling. So we'll go deeper into that. The number one key with wholesaling that you got to keep in mind is you need a buyer's list. You can't wholesale a property if you don't have buyers. You understand? As a realtor, as an investor, as a wholesaler, as a flipper, you should always have a buyer's list. The reason for this, when the market started shifting, I started calling all my buyers. Why? Because buyers are telling me what the market is doing. Because I call my buyers, if they're not buying, I know the market is doing something they don't like. And if they are buying, they're telling me what they're buying, why they're buying it, how they're buying it, where they're buying it. This tells me where I need to be doing my marketing. Because that's where these people are finding deals. When I was new to real estate, I didn't know where to market. San Antonio is very big. Where are you going to market? Oh, market to everybody. You're not. Because you're doing a shotgun. You're not even going to know what a deal looks like. What do I mean that you don't know what a deal looks like? I had a property, uh, bless you, six months ago, that it was a, a, for a owner finance buyer, right? I went to look at the property. I ran my numbers. My numbers came back that I needed to offer them 40 grand. They were like, I can't take less than 70. I was like, well... That's that. We're oceans apart. I reached out to my one of my owner finance buyers. I was like, just out of curiosity, here are the pictures. Here's the address. I want 80 for this. Can you make that work? He looked at it. He's like, yeah, I'll take it for 80. Went back to the seller, got it on the contract for 70. Went back to my buyer, wholesaled it for 10 grand. It was a deal I was going to walk away with. But because I had my buyer and I was able to speak to him first, I knew I had a buyer lined up. There was no risk in it. I went, got the property, and made 10 grand. How did I know he wasn't going to go behind me? Because I worked with him before. You understand? I've worked with him. I brought him deals. He knows if he goes behind me, I will find out. He's not going to get anything else from me. And he can't risk that because he doesn't do his own marketing. Right? So this was a deal I was going to walk away because my number needed to be 40. His number was 80. Now, funny part of negotiation, he says to me, well, I would like it for 75. I was like, well, I would like it for 85. What are we doing here? <laughs> you know, I was like, I don't care what you would like it for. You say you could do 80. He's like, no, yeah, I'll do 80. Never negotiate that way. If you're going to negotiate, you tell him I can do it for 75. I would have gone down to 75 because at the end of the day, five grand is still five grand, right? I was going to make zero. Two grand is two grand. I didn't care. But when he says, I would like it for 75, I'm like, well, but you would do it for 80. Yeah, okay, so <laughs> I'd rather take 10 grand. It matters to my business. You know, where with you, you're fine with doing 80. Yes, sir. But it just how do you accumulate a buyer's list? What do you want? How do I come up with the buyer's list? Yeah. Events, so networking is one. You go to RIAs, uh, meetups. I love meetups, uh, especially happy hour meetups, stuff like that, because it's very one-on-one -on -one negotiations, uh, networking, I mean. So events, meetups, uh, RIAs, that's where you want to go. Online, you can do uh, Facebook real estate groups or Bigger Pockets. Uh, have you guys heard of Bigger Pockets? No? 
biggerpockets.com. It's an online forum. They have a podcast, everything, but they have an online forum with all real estate investors go. And there's a lot of agents on there as well. And it's a forum that people go to purely network. People are asking questions. They're finding buyers. They're finding people that are doing deals. They're finding deals. Um, it's a great platform where social media gets very noisy. Uh, Bigger Pockets is made specifically for that. So it's a great platform to go network and find who your buyers are. Once you find your buyers, I'm a buyer in San Antonio, right? I buy fix and flip properties right now. Um, I'm a buyer in San Antonio. You come to me, you have a buyer. Now you found another property I don't buy. You say, hey, I have this property. I'll tell you, that's not what I'm interested in. Now you ask me, do you know somebody that might be? I know other buyers. Does that make sense? So you use your buyers to find other buyers. I've done that all the time. I brought properties to some of my buyers. They're like, no, that, that, that deal just doesn't work. Do you know anybody that I would? Actually, yeah, I have this guy. If you don't ask, they won't tell you because they're not thinking about it. They think about themselves, not that they're greedy or anything. It's just they're in their own business. But if you ask, do you have other buyers? All of a sudden, they're like, actually, yeah, call this guy, call this lady. They can handle it. That's how you build your buyers list. Now, on my YouTube channel, An Investor's Journey, I have a whole playlist on how to build your buyers list. I've recorded videos step-by-step, step, how to vet them, how to ask them the right questions, how to make sure they're real buyers, not wholesalers. I, I've, I mean, there's a ton of education on there, 100% free, just like I'm giving you right now. Everything is free on there. You can find pretty much any, anything that you're curious about. Um, but yeah, that's, that's your buyers list. So that's wholesaling. Flipping. We talked about what the ARV is, right? So when you flip a property, you're determining the ARV. You want to see what the value is, how much work that house is going to need. You do that by running comps, comparables. When you run your comps, you're looking at other houses in that area that have been renovated. What did they sell for that are similar? Does everybody here know how to run comps? I've dealt with a lot of agents that do not, so it's fine. Um, I've dealt with agents that they're like, I've been an agent for 25 years. I'm like, well, it's never too late to start. Um, <laughs> it pisses everybody off, but you got to have fun. Um, so when you run your comps, you look for apples to apples, right? Same year bill, similar year bill. I've had agents that they tell me, well, look at this house. This sold for 350. I'm like, yeah, that's a 2010. This is a 1970. That apples to apples, right? Like let's, let's compare them better. So same square, similar square footage, bets and bats. Look at all your details. Now look at the stuff that's been done to that house. Has it been fully updated? Does it have granite? Does it have laminate flooring? Does it have new cabinets? Does it have new windows? You don't have to HGTV this house. You look at what has worked, what has sold, and you do the same work because that's what's working in that area. I had a gentleman call me a while back. He needed help because his house had been sitting on the market in Woodland Park area for months. And this was before the market started churning. And he tells me the price, square footage, everything. I'm like, man, this makes no damn sense. I was like, you're at a good price point, good square footage, good everything. I don't know why you're not selling. He's like, shoot me the address. He shoots me the address. I look it up. It's a mid-century home remodeled as a brand new house. I'm like, dude, you stand out like a sore thumb. You don't fit the neighborhood. I've updated the house. Yeah, but not for that neighborhood. People don't want all those clean corners. They want the mid-century look. 
People that are buying in that area for that price point, they want mid-century homes. They don't want 2015 homes. You giving a 2015 home doesn't fit in that area. You understand? He renovated it. He put everything brand new, but not the style that it should have been. That's why it's important that you look at your comps. So that determines your ARV. Your ARV, like I said, you're going to subtract your 30%. That's going to include your profit and your closing costs and your holding costs. And then you're going to subtract your repairs. That's all your repairs. What are your repairs? Don't ask a contractor to tell you what the repairs are. You're the professional. You tell the contractor what needs to get done. The contractor should only know how to do it. Oh, my contractor said I need this. How the hell does your contractor know what you need? Does he know how to run comps? Because most of the contractors I know don't. So if they don't know how to run comps, they can't tell you what you need. I was a contractor. When I first started, I did not get deals purely because I would go into a house as a contractor says this house needs everything brand new. I was a contractor. That's what I did. I made everything look beautiful, right? Until, and I wasn't getting any contracts. I went with an investor and I was like, I don't understand. Look, it, it needs this. It needs this. He's like, no, not in this area. In this area, all we're doing is painting the trim, keeping the floors, resurfacing the cabinets back on the market. I'm like, no shit. Okay. Now I see why I'm tremendously lower than everybody else. Right? There's how to do the job and what job needs to get done. You as the investor need to know what the job is. The contractor only needs to know how to do the job. Then you can flip a property. You can also hotel the property, which is what we spoke about earlier. Hotel on a property, you're going to... Hotel on a property can get dangerous. Because if you're buying a house without having the intention to flip it and you try to hotel it and it doesn't sell your only way out is to flip it so if you didn't run your numbers right you're underwater so you buy every house with the intention to flip it then if you can you try to wholesale it see what the market tells you but on the market week or two you get nothing take it down flip it do the full rehab is that clear? Make sense? The reason you do that, again, you do not want to buy a house and buy it only for the rate, for the intention of hoteling it without running your numbers for a flip. Because if it doesn't sell, which sometimes it happens, and you're like, well, shoot, I didn't even factor in the flip numbers. Well, now what? Now you're underwater on this property. So don't do it with that, but do it with the intentions that you're always going to flip it. We've made a lot of money hoteling properties because as long as they don't have anything structural wrong with the property, you can pretty much, as long as it's clean and you price it right. So we did one recently where the ARV in that area was 280. We bought the house. We put about like three grand, just some light paint, fix it up. And we put it on the market for 240. 40 grand under what the ARV is because it wasn't fully updated. And we sold it. We made 45 grand. For only doing five, three grand worth of work. So our risk reward is tremendous. Does that make sense? But if we needed to, we would have taken it down, put about 30 grand into it to get it worth to the 280. But we look at, is it worth investing this much money to get potentially the same amount? You know what I mean? We test out the market, see what the market's telling us. That market told us that we'll take it as is. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, so... For that need buyer, what was it? Was it a conventional loan to get or all cash or did they see it as an investment? The hotel? Yeah. It was a conventional. 
It was a conventional uh, FHA loan. Yep. Yeah, because uh, FHA buyers have been getting screwed left and right with this last market because they haven't been able to put in, you know, 20, 30 grand over. So there's a lot of FHA buyers still hungry for houses. Um, and this house, it's moving ready. It just wasn't fully updated. There was nothing structurally wrong with it. The roof was good. Foundation was good. The AC was good. Everything was fine. It just wasn't updated. So they bought it with a nice discount. They're able to put in some work in the house and we made good money. Make sense? So that's your flip. You can sell via owner financing, right? We talked about that. So you bought the property, you own the home, and maybe you want to finance it out. That's what this gentleman did, the one that uh, bought it for 80. He bought the house for 80. He has private lenders that lend him the money for owner finance deals. He bought the house for 80. He owner financed that house back out, sold it at like, I think 105, right? With, uh, I believe like a thousand or $1,100 monthly payments. He may, that's his whole business is owner finance. He has a ton of notes. That's what you call an owner finance. You create a note. So you're a note holder. You don't own the property. You're a bank. So you're a note, you're, you have notes. And later, if you hold enough notes, you can actually sell them all. Maybe for a little bit of a discount, but you can sell them all to institutional buyers and you can make some good money doing that. That's a whole strategy. People make so much money doing owner finance. I know an investor out of San Antonio. He owns over 500 properties with over half of them being free and clear and all through owner finance. That's his bread and butter. You know, he's been doing it for decades, but that's his bread and butter. He's just crushing it with that. So you can sell it owner finance. Great thing with owner finance is no toilets, no tenants, no nothing. Because the person that's buying it from you, it's their home. Something happens, it's your problem. It's your home. I don't own it. I own the debt. I don't own the house. Right? Where does owner finance kind of suck? Where it sucked in the last few years is you don't get appreciation. Just like a bank. Right? The bank gives you that loan. That's where your house is at. You know, your house appreciates. The bank doesn't get that difference. They're, they're tied in that what they gave you. Owner finance is the same way. That's why over the next coming years, I believe it's going to be amazing because I don't believe we're going to see the level of appreciation we've been seeing. Before, we were seeing double digits appreciation month over month. I think we're going to stable way the hell down on that. You know, so now we're not going to see as much as appreciation. So owner finance, it's going to make a lot of sense. Lease option, like we said, you can't sell a lease option to an end buyer that's going to live in it, but you can sell it to an investor that's going to buy it through a lease option and then rent it out. Um, obviously, you probably shouldn't do that because you're probably leaving a lot of meat on the bone. Um, you're you're going to be investors yourself. You have better ways of monetizing these. Um, contract for deed, you can't do that in Texas. And then you can do the wrap, which is pretty much like I just gave you an example of the owner finance situation is you bought it subject to, you create a note around it, and you go ahead and do a wrap and you sell it that way. Good. So let's play a little game. Is it creative or traditional? So investors send postcards to distressed sellers and finds a seller behind on payments. Investor purchases the property through transfer of deed. Traditional or creative? What do you guys think? So that's the traditional one, the one in red, right? Again, nothing wrong with it, right? It's just other, look at the other strategies that you can do. There's other options that you can do. Is it creative or traditional? Investor knocks on doors to find the stressed sellers. Investors purchases the property through a transfer of deed. 
investor pays cash for the property or investor rents the property. All the other ones can be done traditionally, right? The creative one is getting out there and door knocking, the thing that everybody hates to do. It's very time consuming, but nobody's doing it. If you don't want, if you want to surpass your competition, you're doing the things they don't want to do. That's how you beat your competition.